Hi, folks. Welcome back to the uh, You May Be Right podcast with uh, JB and Paulie D. Uh, before we get started, we've got to uh, take a, a little more somber note uh, on the show today. We are on the collective doorstep of baseball season and, and March Madness. Everyone's excited because March Madness leads right into baseball. I think that, now you mentioned, I think that uh, opening day for the Yankees is on the uh, second week of the tournament. But as excited as I am, we need to uh, discuss this. Hall of Fame pitcher Tom Seaver, former New York Mets star, ended his career with Polo D's own Red Sox, has been diagnosed with dementia at age 74 and is retiring from public life. Effective immediately. A lot of our listeners probably didn't get to witness him in his heyday, but this Paulie D, the guy could pitch. I, he, he's a legend. Yeah, 311 wins, 2.86 ERA, 3,640 strikeouts, three Cy Youngs to go with the World Series ring. I, I don't soapbox much, but more research needs to be done to this disease because my grandmother had a wonderful life. Alzheimer's robbed her of any memory of it. Seaver had a life most of us can only dream of having. He's about to lose all these incredible memories. The, the Mets are celebrating the 50th anniversary of the 69 World Series team. He's not going to be able to be there for it right now. How terrifying is it waking up, not recognizing loved ones, not remembering moments where the endorphins should, would have been flowing like wine. All I'm going to say, and I feel this is the most appropriate thing to say, we here at You May Be Right and Elite Sports New York, the pulse of New York City sports, Send Tom Seaver our best, also to his wife Nancy, daughters Annie and Sarah. Our thoughts are with you, Tom. Terrific. Here, here. Yeah, uh, but uh, happier news that we're almost at March Madness. We are almost at March Madness, and I'm at my yearly um, round, doing my yearly rounds and checking in on my alma mater's team, the Fairfield Stags, eleven and twenty, six and twelve in the MAC. All right. And yet again, they didn't make the tournament, unfortunately. But someday they will. They haven't made the big dance since 1997, where. Where happily we, I wasn't I wasn't at the school then. I didn't get there till 1999. But we uh, we at one point we led number one C UNC 38 to 27 early in the second half, and and lost the game. But it's but you know what? That's a big deal. If I recall correctly, that UNC team was no slouch either. No, they, I think because I, I think they had, that that was the Vince Carter yes. team, Anton Jameson. Yes. They, yeah, you had some high flyers and scorers on that team, and for Fairfield to come in and be like, hey, what's going on? Uh, it's kind kind of reminds me how last year. Because uh, last year, I was one of the many fools who picked Cincinnati to win it all. Sure. That Georgia State game, when uh, Georgia State comes out on that run, and they, oh. have, they have that one guy, um, I forget his name, he's kind of doing doing the motion where he's where he's eating good. Yeah. And I'm just there like- Keep feeding me. I'm like, oh, God. That, that was my hand hitting my fist, because that's how mad I was when that happened. <laughs> I'm just there watching the game. Like, they're still, you're not even at the under-16 timeout. Like, right. Why are you doing that? Stop talking trash. Uh, but spring training is still in full swing. Still in full swing. Let, let's uh, and that that said, hold on. Where's my timer? Yeah, we oh, gotta here. get the timer out, JB. Oh, the timer's the timer's under my bag. No, I show up to the studio early. I can't even find the timer. All right, well here we go. We're gonna set the timer. You were too, JB. You were too prepared. I was too prepared. <laughs> it, there is such a thing. We now have proof. Right. JB is too prepared. All right. So timer's on for ten minutes. Paulie D, what is the state of Red Sox spring training? Well, you know they're still getting into swing. They're six and uh, I think six and eleven now in the Grapefruit League. Grapefruit League. The starting pitching really hasn't gotten into full swing yet. Uh, but I will say that we haven't exactly had awe-inspiring performances thus far from some of the bullpen uh, we expected to see this th- that we expect to see contribute at the major league level. Um, Thornburg hasn't been great. Workman hasn't been great. Really, nobody's been been great. There's been yeah. no, there's been no real standouts. 
Uh, but then again, everyone's still tu- tuning up, so I don't think there's anything to be too, Every, too worried about. Everyone's still tuning up, but, right. we're, but we're at the we're at the point in spring training where there's two weeks left. It's it's put up or shut up time. I think you're I think you're wondering. I mean, I think we'll talk about this a bit later, but I think I think the Sox have to be wondering right now where are those innings going to come from that they lost to free agency and to into uh, Stephen Wright's suspension. Where are they going to come from? Because we're talking now about probably 150 to 180 innings that they're down from from last year. I don't know who's going to supply them uh, right now, but there are some pleasant surprises. The number one prospect, Michael Chavis. Uh, you know, he had four home runs and 10 RBI this spring, and he was hitting at a 286 clip. But they did option him to Triple A Pawtucket, so he's an uh, infielder, right? Uh, yeah, he's a he's kind of a. I think I think they'd like him to be a, a bit of a Swiss Army knife, like Brock Holt. My my a uh, little bit of Brock Holt, a little bit of Brian Dahlbach. Right. My right. my gut says that he's not quite as Swiss Army knife as Brock Holt. That he's not quite yeah. as versatile. I think he's a corners guy, or at least that's where his defense seems to project although they have they have given him reps i think at second base um so i think i personally believe that it could be a late year call up earlier especially if there's injuries um and then you know another couple of bright spots if you're looking for him double a prospect darwins and hernandez hasn't let up a run in seven innings of work and prospect travis lakins has pitched to a 2.57 era although command i think is still an issue for both but i would definitely be interested to see them or I'm, and I'm definitely interested to see them as we as we progress through string training. So I'm interested I'm interested to see how they manage how the Sox manage everyone everyone's workload for the remainder of spring training because I know they're I feel like they're they're trying they want to do it they want to repeat and I feel like they they know that they have to manage the workload in order to do so. So I'm I'm curious to see what's what goes into that cocktail here. Yeah, I mean I'm not gonna I'm not too concerned about Boston being like sub 500 in spring training because for, for all intents and purposes these are tune-up games right it's like getting reps in shedding off the winter weight right it's all about like getting back into game shape i mean the starting pitchers are, are just now getting into games right yeah you know so for extended innings at least right we we have a way we have a ways to go before before opening day and it's i don't i'm personally not worried although i i will say the performance of the bullpen thus far does give me a, a little cause for concern, especially when it comes to innings. Yeah, and I mean, Chris Sale says his shoulder feels good despite the uh, diminished velocity. I mean, are you overly concerned about him? No, no, I'm not. I mean, he's it's a contract year, though. I mean, during exactly well, it's a contract year is one of the reasons I'm not concerned. Um, you know, let's let's see how he is. You know, in late March and early April, let's. I I think he'll have to work himself into shape. I think you're right. Um, the Sox. I think on the whole, they're still going to, they're kind of like them and the Yankees are teams one and one A right. in the AL East, but they're definitely shorthanded. They hit right. at this ridiculous pace last year, almost video game like. Yeah. I'm talking playing MVP 05, putting the setting on rookie, putting the analog sticks so you could hit it into the upper deck every time. That's what they were doing. It's some absurd stuff we saw last Very year. Very absurd. Out I mean, of both teams. Yeah. Uh, now, now, granted, I'm not saying that Mookie Betts is going to fall very far from MVP status. No, but I do think Vegas is is planning, at least Vegas is planning on a regression towards the mean for the Red Sox, at least. I mean, right. I think their over-under was 89 games. Okay. So in terms of wins, in terms of, in terms of wins, yeah, I'd give him the over on that. I I I would too, but you know, Vegas is Vegas, and that's the smart money. So yeah, and they're now. The point I'm trying to make is they hit at this ridiculous pace last right. year. Right. They're banking on repeating that 
in 2019. Well, hoping to repeat it. Yeah, because 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 mo- for all intents and purposes, most of the lineup is still intact. Yes, like all all of the big bats are there. You're not going to lose anything from an offensive standpoint. I mean, apart from a catcher shuffle, I I don't think we're losing all that much. Yeah, on the but lineup but at like all. the 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 top two thirds of the lineup, I think are are good enough. I'm talking Moreland, Martinez. We, well, I'll even throw Jackie Bradley Jr. in there because he came up with some clutch hits and worked some great at bats in the postseason. I, you're absolutely right. I mean, they're in. I mean, it's it's in large part the team we had last year. Yeah, except you don't have a star closer. No. Yeah, and Craig Kimbrell or any closer, if you if you ask me. But yeah, but Craig Kimbrell still has no team. Right. We're two weeks out from the regular season. Sure. He ha- he has to understand. He he's taking his value every day. He does not sign a deal, no matter which team he signs with right now. Even though his agent says he's in game shape, he's ready, his arm feels good. If I'm a team who signs Craig Kimbrell right. right now, and I'm talking if I'm the Braves, if I'm the Phillies, if I'm the Twins, any team under the sun, even if I'm like the the Fukuoka Bayhawks of the of Nippon Professional Baseball, nice. I am saying to Craig Kimbrell, you need to spend at least another week or maybe two weeks in extended spring training, right? Because you need to get reps. And that said, the bullpen as a whole, and you said it yourself, the Red Sox bullpen's pretty weak. There's no closer. Tyler Thornburg's control has been off. I saw a tweet over the weekend. Workman's velocity is way down. It's sub-90. Right. Who's going to be the closer? I, I mean, part of me thinks, too, it could be fatigue, at least from last year, playing out in spring training. So like a World Series hangover. Right. You know, that's what part of me thinks, and that's what, you know, in, I mean, the starters, starters um, it, it always feels like a slow tune-up when you're watching every move, but, you know... I, I think that they, I think that they're bringing them along, maybe just a hair slower than they would have in years past. But as far as Kimbrel goes, I think Kim. I mean, Kimbrel's going to sign with somebody before opening day. No, I yeah, st- I, mean, I still I, say he's going. To. I'm gonna par. I'm gonna paraphrase what Thurman Munson said after the end of the 1977 World Series. Hit me. Um, there was some. He and Reggie Jackson were butting heads. Howard Cosell, I think it was, had him in the locker room when he's got champagne all over his head. Right. And asked him, "Hey, Thurman, I mean, you? It, I, don't, I forget whether it was his contract year or not, because this is during free uh, free agency's infancy. But he was he was asked, Thurman, are you gonna be playing with the Yankees next year? And Thurman said, "I'll be playing baseball somewhere next year." Right. Kimbrell is going to play baseball somewhere in 2019. He's gonna pitch for somebody. I just don't see. I just don't see how the Red Sox get out without without pulling somebody in at this point. All right, well, here, here's a question I have for you. Sure. Ba- if Boston, right now at this point, you have to assume the closer is going to be one of Matt Barnes or Ryan Brazier, yeah? Right. Okay, let's say, now that said, the bullpen is still pretty shaky. The bridge the bridge to the ninth inning, we're talking Temple of Doom quality rickety. There is none. There, yeah. there, is, no, there is no bridge to the ninth inning right now. Now that said, if Boston is going to... Who are you going to trust? No, no, no. Who are you going to trust out of that bullpen? Tower Thornburg? Absolutely. Did not. he did he pitch in the postseason? He had maybe I think he had maybe about an inning of work. Maybe he, wasn't he the mop up guy in the postseason? He had maybe or? about an inning of work. Hector Velasquez did he even make the postseason roster? I don't think he did. I have to go. Heath Hembry. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Who yeah. are you going to bring back? Drew Pomerantz? This is ridiculous. Get Larry Anderson out of retirement, right? Please <laughs> get him out of the announcers booth. Well, let me ask you this then. Let now, given the situation, the Red Sox, their bats have to match that video game pace that I just mentioned. Well, it's it's a it's about how many pitches they saw, right? So I think I think one of the things, if you looked at the Red Sox and Yankees lineup, they had they, they it was them and the Yankees one and two. They had the most 
average the most at bats per inning, you were never throwing a, on average, you were never throwing a one, two, three inning against either the Sox or the Yankees last year. That's how ridiculous those two teams were. Well, that's it. Never throwing a one, two, you, they were bringing up an average of over four batters an inning. Both teams, it's that was ridiculous. If they could do the same thing this year, I mean, it's it's less about it's less about average and homers and more about on base percentage, as far as I'm concerned. I still maintain that that last year nobody moved that line better than the Boston Red Sox, and they have the same lineup to do it this year. So if they can move the line, they'll win games. Let me ask you this: Let's say that they can move the line, but the bullpen is that bad. Let's say it's April fifteenth, Lincoln Assassination Day. And Craig Kimbrell is still unsigned. As Dave Dombrowski, do you go crawling back, offer him the one-year qualifying offer again? I mean, I th- I mean personally, I would. Okay. But you know, a lot of people wouldn't wouldn't even want Kimbrell. He's yet another year older. Uh, he's he's had troubles in the postseason. He's tipped pitch. You know, he's tipped his pitches before. Um, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, I think he's actually solved the pitch tipping issue. Yeah, but I, you I mean, know, I mean, pitch tipping isn't that big of an issue. That can be solved with just coaching and just minor adjustments. Yeah, but it was getting him tattooed through the postseason. He had no idea what was going on. Right. You know, so I mean, as as far as that goes, would I, would I? Yes. Does Dombrowski? I don't think so. I think it's more likely that they move Ivaldi to the bullpen to just stabilize things. Okay. Right now, you have a really unstable bullpen. You don't know. There's really there doesn't seem to be a plethora of defined roles. Either Barnes or Brazier look like the front runners to get most of the closer-ish duties, but they're more than willing, they seem more than willing to go to go to closer by committee. I don't know that closer by committee has ever worked. I you know it's it's anybody's guess what they plan on doing. Either way, it's going to be uh, interesting to see with the uh, last two weeks of camp coming up. Absolutely. All right, Paul D., it is that time. Made a little special something here for you. Uh, what do you got? Hear that? Oh, it's 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 like it's bird watch time. Very nice. It's like I'm in the park. I know. Astoria Park or Central Park? Central Park. Let's go to Central Park. All right, we'll do that. But uh, it's bird watch. Uh, two weeks left in spring training, Paul D. Is the bluebird of happiness here for Mr. Greg? Uh, we're not sure because I've got to, I've got to tell you, I did not see this coming. I've, I've, okay. Burton, uh, Greg Burton, Luke Voigt, they come out battling for this starting first baseman's job. Right. And I figure, okay, one way or another in spring training, one guy is going to establish the dominant bat very early. Other guy will hold his own, but not to that level. Right. And it's going to be an early decision, to yeah, say the least. There'll be a clear front runner. A clear front runner will emerge, and there, then there a, might be a little rally at some point. Right. But for the most, but for the most part, it's going to we're going to know who's ahead early on. Right. Do you have any idea who's ahead right now? I do not have any <laughs> idea whatsoever. Because okay, Vo- Voight comes out mashing pretty early from a home run standpoint. Sure. Burt comes out mashing from a pure hitting standpoint. Right. Has an opposite field home run, but on the whole is is the better overall hitter, right. the more complete hitter. But now there's more major league pitching coming out, and they've leveled out. Yeah. I mean, Burt is the better defender, is a lefty bat, is putting together some quality at bats regardless of whether he makes an out, uh, whether he strikes out, whether he uh, draws a walk, or if it's a simple single. And Voight has done the same. And last week, I think it was against the Braves, he made a sick catch in the field. Yeah. It was, it was a hot shot to the right side, and he just dove to his right, snagged it. And this is a right-handed first baseman we're talking about. And Voigt's talked about that. He talked about how he needed to go out there and, imp- and try to impress the club with his glove. 
because that's a question mark about his game. And especially with how analytics forward the Yankees have been the last few years, you know they're going to look at some DRS, they're going to look at UZR, Absolutely. they're going to look at his range factor. Here's the problem. Now, you said on our last show, Luke Voigt has to hold serve to win the job. I believe that. And it's clear right now, I, I do think that Voigt, he's holding serve, but he, he's his grip is loosening on the racket. He doesn't look special right now. He really doesn't. He and di- may, maybe Bird is in his head. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe, maybe uh, the whole race is in his head. Or maybe um, last year was a fluke. We don't know. Maybe his body's still working itself into shape. You know, maybe I, he, I don't know because because Voight's always been kind of a workout warrior. I mean, the, be that as it may, maybe it's you know still working itself into baseball activities. You know, in terms of timing, in terms of th- that sort of thing. That could very well be, but just watching him and and these are not analytics. This is on the eye test alone. Right. If I'm a scout, here's what I'm going to say about Luke Voigt. He's swinging the bat like every hit has to not only be a home run but a big home run. Right. He is like. I mean, the only guy I've seen swing the bat harder than Voight on a swing and miss that I've seen in the spring training was Albert Bell. He wants to mash. Yeah, Voight wants to mash. And also, not only that, he made, um, I think it was last Friday night against the Baltimore Orioles, critical base running mistake. Right. So Steinbrenner Field in Tampa, the dimensions are Yankee Stadium, more or less, just with much fewer seats. He hits a, a fair ball down the left field line that kicks off the wall, goes practically right to the outfielder, and he's rounding first at this point, going in for a double. Nope. The throw is in. Paulie D, I watched this. Had he slid, he could have at least tried to slide around the tag. He might have gotten in there because right. the throw was just very off on. He didn't even slide. He just kind of started jogging as he got closer, let the guy tag him. I mean, I didn't see, <laughs> I didn't see the play. Um, when did you know that he was dead in the water? Right when he rounded first? No. Um, or uh, when he was the, about halfway? The, okay, well, the camera followed the ball from left field to second base. Right. And by the time the ball got to the second baseman, or maybe it was the shortstop, I can't remember who fielded the throw, Voight had stopped running at top speed. Now, now maybe he was trying to avoid injury. but That could be, or maybe he realized he made a base running error. But even then, there was still enough time and space for him to try and slide around the tag and remain in the base path. Right. And he didn't do it. And that's one thing that would give me concern about Voight uh, as a part of this Yankee team, they don't. This Yankee lineup doesn't need another masher. They, they don't need. Don't. They don't need another guy to go out there and hit thirty or forty home runs or even twenty five. What they need, what they really do need, and why I actually I think Voigt gets, still gets the job because he is holding serve. But I think that Bird is actually a better fit for this Yankee lineup because he's a lefty bat. They got a lot of righty power. They could use a lefty bat. Yankee Stadium is tailor-made for lefty bats, especially those lefty bats with a little bit of pop like Bird's. And Bird plays good D. You know, late in the, in late game situations, you need a guy, you need a guy who could who can make, you know, who can make the pick at first. You need a guy who could stop that double down the line. You know, yeah. that, that's who that's who you need. I, I actually I you know, the more I look at it, the more I think that Bird is probably a better fit, but that Luke Voigt still gets the job. Well, speaking of Bird, he just looks more relaxed in general. Right. Because he knows what he can do. He's not trying to prove that a hot month is just is just a fluke. Well, it does help that um Cashman seems 
through comments to be pretty deep in the tank for Bird, or at least committed to giving him every available opportunity yeah, to get the job. because they've invested so much time in him already. Right, and that's something that's got to be something comforting for him to know as a player. Look, the next two weeks are going to be very telling. Sure. Because we're, we're going to, ha- I think starters are going to start throwing about four innings a pop right now, maybe moving up to five next week, maybe six. The real X factor is Troy Tulowitzki, I yes. think. Because he came out swinging early in spring training. Everyone everyone was all about him. Entering tonight's game against the Baltimore Orioles, which is underway, and we'll provide some updates on an as-needed basis. Entering tonight's game, he is 0 for his last 12 with nine strikeouts. I'm not surprised. Nine. I'm not surprised. Now, Aaron Boone has said to the press he's confident he's just rusty against top velocity. I mean, the, the timing's a little off. He's a little late on the swings. I'm not sure I'm convinced because there is a big difference between batting practice and minor league pitching. And Tulo is clearly struggling. I agree. Oh, we got another notification there. I'll I agree, and I think and I we'll and, cover that in a second. And I and I think that this that this current down that this current um, uh, downtrend for Tulowitzki could be a little bit more telling than Boone is letting on. I yeah. I think I think Boone is willing to give him a chance because why not? And Boone is notoriously in the tank for any infielder. Sure. Um. There and because look at it this way. Troy Tulowitzki. Boone wishes probably that he could have come back from his own injury. Yeah, I mean, and, well, Boone came back from the ACL and played for a few more years at pretty well too. But uh, I don't know. Either way, there's no uh, way. To, there's no way to sugarcoat it. Barring a major improvement from Tulowitzki these next two weeks, and with with Voight and Bird running literally neck and neck, I don't think the Yankees are going to have a choice but to do the platoon we've talked about. I mean, I, I you, think you move, they should. You move Labor Torres to short, put a gold glove defender in D.J. LeMahieu at second, and you tell Tulowitzki, sorry things didn't work out, and you release him at a cost of less than six figures. Right. I don't see I don't see why you don't do now, it. Now, mind you, he turned down more money from other teams to come to the Yankees. Yeah. So it, he's not going to be on the market long. No, it's not like you're hurting him either. It, he, he's just not right for your situation where you're at. I mean, Tulewitzki doesn't meet you where you're at, and you got to let him go, and somebody else will pick Look, him up. I, Especially I w- with the early show that he put on in spring training. Somebody will pick him up thinking that he could turn it back on again. I wish Troy Tulewitzki nothing but the best uh, in tonight's game. Absolutely. Tonight's game, he is batting eighth and playing shortstop. Um, but if the Yankee, I never wanted the Yankees to sign him because yeah, it's all upside. I get it. The Yankees made this move because they could, right? It's capitalism one hundred and one, right? Minnesota might not probably doesn't make this move. You know what I mean? I don't think Minnesota makes. Well, uh, Minnesota might make the move. Um, I can see maybe. Oh, who else? I, I think the Mets could make this move, right? The Red Sox could make the move. Where's it going to play? The point is, they have the money to do so. They have the, they have the assets to do so. They can lay it out for Troy Tulowitzki, and it really doesn't hurt the club. Yeah. Either way, you may be right. Well, I mean, do you think Troy Tulowitzki's uh, Troy Tulowitzki's body is all, is already starting to kind of break down under the rigors of day to day baseball? I don't think it's could he it's, be that out of shape. I don't think he's that out of shape because, like, watching him, he looked like he looks actually thinner than when I last saw him on TV. Right. Um, I think a lot of it has to do with he did not play at all last year. He he missed all last season with double heel surgery. Right. I've never had bone spurs, but I've heard they're incredibly painful. I can only imagine what it's like to come back from them. Right. So I, if it's rust, it's picking the wrong time to show up. Uh, well, but if, it, but in relation, if to, it's rust, it's going to show up now. But to be like fair. if now if I'm bird and void, like while I want to support my teammate, I can't help but think in the back of my mind: if Tulo struggles, does this mean I could still have a job? True. Yeah. Because it's either here or you go down to Scranton. Right. So, I don't know. Two weeks left. Um, the bird watch continues. <laughs> we'll see. 
All right. So now we're going to move on to uh, some more. <laughs> it's been a rough week in uh, in Fort Myers, Bully D. <laughs> oh, What's, what is going on with the last of the knuckleballers, Stephen Wright? The last of the last of the red hot knuckleballers, huh? Well, Stephen Wright is uh, suspended for eighty games for uh, for performance enhancing drugs, um, a drug test that he uh, that uh, that he took in the last off season. Uh, he popped for GH GBHR two, I believe it is GBHR two. All right, GBHR two. It's a growth hormone. Um, I mean. The issue, the issue is that this comes at the worst possible time for the Red Sox bullpen. But talking about Stephen Wright, Stephen Wright, of course, denies it. Stephen Wright yeah. says he didn't do it. Stephen Wright says he has no idea how it ended up in his body. But the, the backstory with Stephen Wright that you may not know is that Stephen Wright underwent the same cartilage regeneration knee surgery that Dustin Pedroia underwent. And Dustin, Dustin Pedroia famously said that he probably wouldn't do it again. Yeah. You know, so his knee's been a real problem for him. You know, it's kept him off. It's kept him off the mound. The well, last... Was the cartilage worn down uh, with Pedroia that he was dealing with like a bone on bone thing? I, th- I think that's exactly what it was. Next stop arthritis. Moving right. On. Well, I mean, it's it's incredibly painful too, and incredibly yeah. difficult to play on. And so that so it's kept Stephen Wright off the diamond. Look, whether 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 Stephen Wright did it or not, I think is irrelevant to the team. Yeah. Um, the point is that he's the, the point is that he's essentially that he's off the team for 80 games and to the extent that he wants to come back he's going to have to play himself back in the shape so they're missing not only his not only his his pitching but his innings over all that time which is a problem personally i think it's more likely than not i mean let's face it most professional ball players are millionaires and yeah. they all have a cadre of of professional trainers and professional staff sure. to get him ready yeah i mean I think it's more likely than not that he just said, look, I want to be on the mound, you know, do what you have to do. And then, you know, somebody who, you know, somebody on somebody on the team maybe didn't look closely enough at what they were giving him or what injection they might be giving him into his knee. And that, and, they, and it found its way into a system. But that's I mean, that's my my opinion, of course. And there's there's I have no substantiation around it. I but, mean, I, I mean, I personally think the whole PED argument is very overblown. Because, right. Because if you look at the Mitchell report. And everyone clutches their pearls at the idea of these players taking steroids. Most uh, the, what few studies have been done show that the only thing steroids are proven to do is heal injuries quicker, which is why exactly why um, Wright took the, took this drug. I mean, I be- I'm not supporting what he did. I believe Stephen Wright when he says he doesn't know how it got into his system. I I'm not I'm I'm almost not certain, but I I strongly believe. That it was somebody on his team placed it in his system, yeah. but I believe him when he says he has no idea how it got there. Sort of, sort of like a watered down version of him. Who, who was the guy with Clemens? Uh, Brian McNamee, I think his name was. Plaus- it's about plausible deniability. Right. It's about I've got I've got a cadre of people working on me, getting me ready for the, you know, get me ready for the major leagues. You know, if if some if somebody uses the wrong supplement, then there we go, and then then I'm banned. The issue is that is that uh, his appeal was just denied, and that's why the uh, PED suspension is handed down. Now I'm looking at your notes. Uh, you you're kind of in panic mode about this. Well, I mean, he's a big innings loss. You know, yeah. After Kelly and Kimbrell, you're talking about probably what 120, 130 innings you have to replace. He sure. th- he threw 52 innings last year in limited time in a mixture of starting. Uh, and in the bullpen, he was projected to 
he was projected, or at least he personally projected via Mass Live, uh, projected himself to be kind of a two-inning guy out of the bullpen. He says, yeah. look, if I come in in the seventh, I could do the eighth, and then we got the ninth, and there we go. So, so kind Because of, he could throw forever. He's a knuckleballer. It doesn't matter. And I want to I want to touch on this real fast. Like, it breaks my heart that knuckleballers aren't really a thing anymore. Uh, it, it, it absolutely breaks my heart. Because because you, you're only a few years older than I am. When we were growing up watching baseball, we had Charlie Huff. Yep. We had Tom Candiotti. Yep. Tim Wakefield. Yep. All these guys who you could watch them and you didn't know whether they were going to throw a gem or get lit up. Right. It wasn't like, okay, Randy Johnson's pitching in his prime. We're, we're, we're dead meat. This is with a knuckleballer. I remember watching, as a Yankees fan, Tim Wakefield, watching that knuckler dance into Doug Mirabelli's glove. And just the entire time I'm thinking, he's either going to strike all of us out or we're going to score six runs off of him in two innings. And I'm thinking, I could do that. In some weird world, I could have been a knuckleballer. I, I, can, I actually throw a pretty good knuckleball. Right, so that it's it's the accessibility part. You don't have to you don't have to throw that hard to be a knuckleballer. Tim Wakefield's fastball couldn't break a pane of glass. I mean, yeah. it wasn't even eighty miles an hour. I don't think. And how he became a knuckleballer is it's a great story because you know you know he came up with the Pirates. Right, came up as an infielder, and one day he's just taking his throws on the sideline with a teammate and just goofing around. He throws a knuckleball. And I, I forget whether it was Gene Lamont, who was, who was a coach then, or whoever whoever the Pirates pitching coach was for Jim Leland said, wait, do that again. He did it again several more times, and next thing you know, uh, he's a knuckleballer. And there you go. And that's, I bet that, you know, they're kind of, it's, it's a herky-jerky pitch. Yep. Nobody knows where it's going. But if you can master it, and Stephen Wright showed signs that he might be on his way to do that. He was an all-star in 2016. Was he? Yeah, he was an all-star wow. in 2016. All right. Uh, he's 34 years old. He doesn't have a ton of time left in the league. Again, I, you know, I, I think he's built in plausible deniability, but I think it's, but I, <laughs> but I think it's likely that he really wanted to be back on the mound after his knee surgery, and he's, and he's, you know, and he's, sta- and he stated at least, at least to the media that, you know, that the knee does leave him on, in a, on a day-to-day basis. So. But yeah, this puts the Red Sox in a you know in, in a you've got to replace these innings man. in a real bind. We've got you've to really got to replace we're, these. We're innings. looking at 181 and two thirds innings. Where are we going to get him? Who? Tower Thornburg? I don't. Tower I, Thornburg? I wouldn't trust him with a third of an inning at this. Bobby point. Pointer, Brandon Who? Brandon Workman. I mean, Bobby Pointer, I think can can step up. He's a he's a young lefty out of the he's he's a young lefty and he and he was on the squad last year, but he didn't see any postseason time. He's got a three plus ERA over twenty two innings last year. Brandon Workman's got a three plus ERA over forty innings last year, but he hasn't been great in spring training. But you're talking about these. You're, it's about the depth chart. Right, you're talking about guys that haven't seen serious time or serious high leverage time. Now starting to get that, and I'm and I'm and I and as a fan, I'm not comfortable with it. Right, it, it's kind of how I felt when uh, when the Knicks years ago traded Glenn Rice for Shandon Anderson, to use a little basketball story here, because Glenn Rice was the Knicks sixth man and did a pretty good job coming off the bench, great three point shooter despite some bum knees, decent enough scorer in his prime. And then we traded him for someone who turned out to be like a three and D. Right. And like the the moment I, I think I was fourteen when the Knicks made this trade, I saw it in the New York Times that they made this trade, and I immediately said, "This is going to be the start of the Knicks' downfall," because I understand he wanted to dump Glenn Rice's contract, but to get him for a high upside guy in Shandon Anderson, who playing for Rudy Tomjanovich and the Rockets couldn't even do anything there. A bag of balls. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. You, you traded like a. a, a an NBA champion or a ham sandwich and a former all, and a former <laughs> all-star to the Houston Rockets for a bag of balls, a box of tissues and a ham sandwich. Absolutely. 
So what's Dombrowski going to do? you, you got to fix this bullpen. I, I think Dombrowski is going to cruise with who they got, and I think you're looking at young guys. I think you're looking at maybe Darwins and Hernandez, Travis Lakins, they Pete you know, the the Twitterati, the Red Sox Twitterati love Durbin. Twitterati. They, the Red Sox Twitterati loves Durbin Feltman, and, and they've got a lot of high hopes for the kid. He's got upper 90s stuff and a plus slider, but he's down in the, you know, he's still down in minor league camp this year. And, and what about your, um, the Mets cast off, Henry Mejia, how's he doing? <laughs> Henry Mejia has, uh, I think he's, his ERA is about six. Yeah, over, sounds about right. Over a couple innings. Uh, maybe. Maybe who knows? At this point, he's Henry Mejia is basically the pitching equivalent of Troy Tulowitzki at this point. He could be anything, and nobody knows. And Carson Smith probably isn't going to be back if you know till the summer. So yeah, because Smith he's got a what was it a shoulder or an elbow? I think it's a it's a shoulder. All right, it's his shoulder. When he threw his glove, he gave up a home run or something, and he threw his glove. And shoulders, we're going to get to shoulders in a second. Shoulders are tricky. Yeah, they are. Chris, as Chris Sale will tell you, shoulders are tricky. Yeah. Down velocity will tell you, shoulders are tricky. But on the whole, so 80 games for Stephen Wright, you're, that that means you're looking at he's going to be gone. He's going to be back at or around the All Star break. I'd say. Yeah, if if they're if they're still willing to have him, I think I think they will. Just because to have to have that Ramiro Mendoza type, you could really kind of like the super utility pitcher. You know, could he be the he could he be the Ryan Brazier down the stretch of 2019? Or or at that point if you're if you're still struggling to find a closer, give right a shot. Right. Why not? Like how do you prepare for a knuckleballer in the ninth inning? You don't. Exactly. You go up there, hope for a flat one and say your prayers. Right. You know, Steven, That's all you do. they I th- but I think I think more more than they'd be willing to admit they built their bullpen hopes not around him but with him in mind. Um, because he is so flexible and can throw many innings and can throw constantly on short rest. Yeah, I don't know. You may be right. Well, I hope I hope I'm I hope I'm wrong. All right. Oh, uh, <laughs> real real quick, uh, Yankees Orioles game update. Uh, the Yankees are leading two one, still in the bottom of the first inning. Aaron Judge with a two run shot. Very nice. Luke Voigt with uh, an opposite field single. Well, there you go. And uh, he's playing first base. Greg Bird is on deck in the DH today. Very nice. Oh, they go head to head in the same game. Yeah, um, Stanton, Judge, and uh, Gardner ha- handling the outfield while Hicks is uh, is still uh, dealing with his back. So, all right, we're going back to shoulders. Oh boy, I did not. I was not prepared Oi. for this. Oi. Okay, so th- what's going? What's going on, folks? Is Yankees ace Luis Severino was supposed to have his first spring training start last week. And was scratched last minute because after throwing a slider during warmups, he felt he felt something in his shoulder. Now I went I went into panic mode early on. Uh, then when Aaron Boone gave a, a little report in the middle of the game, he said, "Oh, he felt something in the in the lat or back of his shoulder." And I breathed a little sigh of relief, just because it's better for it to be in back behind the shoulder blade than right here where the meat of the rotator cuff is. Right. Uh, and Severino himself has said, oh, it, it's a muscle thing. My shoulder's okay. I'm not too worried about it. Uh, I'd be. Look, here's the thing. He's not going to pitch opening day. No. Masahiro Tanaka has already, has already claimed that spot. The good news is the Yankees are deep enough to weather his loss till at least May. Sure. And it could be a blessing in disguise. Like He'll have plenty in the tank for a stretch run, assuming he's back at 100%. Assuming. Now, that said. That it, might be a lot to assume. Well, that said, if this becomes a chronic issue or if it blossoms into something that needs surgery or extended DL time, the, the Yankees could be saying goodbye to Titletown. They could be. Yeah, and I don't think that's going to happen. Now, to be blunt, the last thing I wanted to worry about was this, this spring. 
and my mind went to Jimmy Key. Right. Because, uh, yeah. like, his shoulder got banged up in 95, missed most of that all of the season, and Sebi Hurts is warming up. And the MRI shows rotator cuff inflammation. That's scary. That is scary. Because shoulders aren't like elbows. We know how to fix elbows. Especially for a young guy like Severino who just signed uh, a $40 million contract. You know, somebody who I think most Yankee fans would look to is, you know, if you had to pick one of the young guys who's going to be a lifetime Yankee, I think Luis Severino comes to he's mind. He's definitely on the list along with Judge. Right. You know, he's, he's, one of those, he's one of those guys, they feel like he's part of the new core the new Yankees core yeah. that's hopefully going to bring you know going to bring them to championship. Uh, Here, here's what Sever- championship. here's what Severino said via Brian Hoke of MLB.com. I wasn't scared because I knew it was nothing bad. Severino said it wasn't anything about my shoulder. What was happening was something about my muscles. I knew it was going to be nothing bad. So how do they treat this? No throwing for two weeks. Anti-inflammatories. Right, and you know, so so rest and a little little medication. And he should and, be, and he should be back in fighting form. Although, if I'm the Yankees, I do keep him out to May. You have enough, you have more than enough starting pitching depth to keep him out till May. Yeah, and, and that's why I'm cautiously optimistic, because because like, you said, oh, like if if he's if it's really a problem, say throw the World Series aside. I'm gonna, I, I believe that actually. I'm going to disagree. I don't. So uh, let me make my case real quick. Sure, sure. I we don't. Got time. I I don't think that in a five game series. Okay. Um. In a divisional, that that Tanaka, Paxton, and Hap necessarily bring you to the promised land. I think that's tough, and I think it's even tougher in a seven-game series. I think you, I think you end up, I think your starting rotation ends up getting exposed with only those three. I think you need a, I think you need at least a good Severino to make a real run at it this year. And I think without a without a without a Severino who could I'll use the phrase again hold serve yeah. in the playoffs you know who could give you a quality start in right. the playoffs I think it's I think I think you have the Yankees have a tougher road to hoe this year uh, than uh, than with him and he's not the only pitching injury they're dealing with right no, now no he's C- not CC Sabathia he's expected to open the year on the IL it's not the deal anymore it's the IL right. the injured list. Um, he's he had uh, another knee surgery in the offseason on top of the heart thing. He's working his way back from that. He threw live batting practice today. Not bad. Yeah. And he says he feels good. It's just it's this se- sounds mostly precautionary because it's his last season. Yeah. You don't want him to go out for his first start of the season, get hurt, and then that's the end. At this point though, in CC's career as a Yankee fan, are you just glad for anything you get out of him this year? You are pretty deep at least with kids at the starting, you know, at the starting pitching spot. I'm glad, I'm glad with anything I get out of CC this year because he's going to get his 3,000th strikeout this year. Right. And good for him. He, he should. Yeah. He's really reinvented himself because instead of trying to blow hitters away with strikeouts, he's now trying to induce soft contact. Oh, my God. Yeah, he's such a pitcher now. Yeah. And he's a great leader in the clubhouse. And I think the players like him. They really do. Yeah. I mean, like, he's widely respected. I mean, the, the turnout at his retirement press conference was off the charts good. And now, but while he and, and Severino are hurt, you got Tanaka, Paxton, Hap, and then you're probably going to see Jonathan Loisaga. And in the five spot, probably Domingo Herman or Luis Sessa. If I had to make the choice right now, I say it's Sessa. Right. Because he, he's out of minor league options. He threw four innings of one hit ball the other day. Not bad. Not bad at all. Always, always an encouraging sign. Well, it's better than the alternative. Yeah, or or you go with an opener. <laughs> right. Do do the bullpenning thing. As much yeah. As why I hate not? That. I mean, you're you you have the literally. I I think if not the best, one of the best bullpens in baseball. 
Absolutely. And not only that, there's still some good names in the starting pitching market. Absolutely. Dallas Keuchel hasn't signed yet, although he's probably going to re-sign with the, with the Astros at this point. Right. Gio Gonzalez doesn't have a job. You know, they were talking about that on the K-Show, how Gio Gonzalez might be a decent fit for the for the Yankees. I'm going to disagree um, because it's a small American League park. Yeah. I'm, that, I'm going to throw a question mark up Gio, Gio Gonzalez. Gonzalez has to be the last resort option. The best, Gio, the best Gio Gonzalez pitching every time in Yankee Stadium, you know, would get the job done, but you're not always going to get the best Gio Gonzalez. I mean, one way or another, Luis Severino... The fact that he himself has said, it is not my shoulder, it is my muscles, he right. would not go public with that unless the Yankees told him it was okay. Well, or maybe he's trying to reassure fans and he's really out till August. I they, mean, who knows? No, the the Yankees, <laughs> first off, put like that, that'd be your, your wet dream, wouldn't it? No, it wouldn't. I don't like to see guys get hurt. Yeah, yeah. I don't like to see ne- guys get hurt. Neither do I. They're, kid. They're kids. He's you know he's twenty five years old or what you know or twenty six years. Unless old. it's Johnny Gomes, I make, can't I can't stand Johnny Gomes. <laughs> make your money, man. Make your, go out, <laughs> go out there and pitch and make your money, kiddo. Seriously, seriously, do the do, man. Do you? Yeah, but anyway, the Yankees. The whole reason they let Joe Girardi go and brought in Aaron Boone was that they wanted to become a more transparent organization. Right. Now, Cashman, unless when it comes to free agency or making a trade, he plays things very close to the chest. Yeah. With his star pitcher, he's. I think that Severino, the injury is scary. Knock on uh, the sh- whatever the table's made of to knock on with that he's fine. But you know what? Maybe mid mid late April, early May, he'll be back, and it'll be like when A Rod came back in '09. That'll turn things around. Gun to better. gun to your head. When do you think he'll be back? May first. I think he'll be back in May. I think yeah. that they'll just he's he's so young and keep him out keep him out yeah just and keep he, him out make why, sure he's okay here's why I'm saying May first because even because even if he comes back after the two weeks off right he's he's throwing ninety nine the slider's biting he still has to face live hitters absolutely I'd rather keep him down in two weeks for extended spring training just to get those reps yeah. And and to and to tell him that it's okay. We got this. We'll wait for yeah, you. We'll, yeah. we'll wait for you. There's, don't rush. You yeah. don't have to come up and press. You don't have to come right. up and throw the ball. You know, throw the ball uh, 190 miles an Especially hour. Especially with all those those elbow injury rumors that that Ooh. were uh, that your boy Pedro Martinez started at the end of last pl- uh, playoffs. Yeah. Now maybe he was pitching hurt. But, maybe, but like one. Maybe way- he felt a twinge and told Pedro because they talk. Oh yeah, I mean uh, Severino learned the changeup from Pedro. Right. Maybe you know. Maybe he. Maybe he felt a twinge and told Pedro, and Pedro got a little mouthy about it. Who knows? You know? <laughs> yeah, I mean Pe- this, Pedro Martinez. <laughs> speaking of, did you ever see that uh, that clip of him on Family Feud? No, I never did. Oh god, I got to show you this later. So. Um, it's I don't know Wait, whether when it, was why was why was Pedro Martinez I think it was like a celebrity charity episode or something <laughs> like that but who was he with other ball players I, I can't even remember I, I think Big Poppy was there wow uh, uh, but either way Steve Harvey goes up to him and says all right Pedro name a word that's that rhymes with yummy and <laughs> sorry and and Pedro just goes. Miami, <laughs> and like the crowd is just in stitches. Sure, Har- Harvey is making his signature like you're an idiot face. Right, but go- going back to Severino, keep him out till May first. Yeah, don't keep- rush him back. Like because uh, he's Why? the a- he's the ace. You have Tanaka, who was the ace before Severino. Right. You have James Paxton, who is the ace in Seattle. Right. You got Hap, who was the Toronto Blue Jays ace for a year. Right. You're you're pretty good at the top of the rotation, and I'm not. I, look, and I think Tanaka was the ace of the Yankees, the class of the Yankees Tanaka, pitching staff I, last postseason. I re- I wrote a column that went up yesterday. Tanaka to me this year is going to be a dark horse AL Cy Young contender. I, 
if he if he can put it all together, he's learning how to throw a knuckle curve. That's make, all you need to know. Make sure you know he's got to make sure to stay healthy. He's got to get those innings in, and he's and he's right there. If you don't get if you don't get Chris Sale's living proof, if you don't get if you don't get your innings in, you're not winning the Cy Young. You're not not in this league. Yep. And Tanaka, though, I think that since he he knows how to pitch in New York now, yeah. Like, I mean, he never really struggled pitching in New York except for that one year. And, that and he was always good against the Red Sox. Yeah. He was always good. He's he th- tough. He, he threw the Maddox against the Red Sox two years ago. Yeah. Shut out with less than 100 pitches. Yeah, that's that's pretty crazy. How did that make you feel, Paulie <laughs> D? Bad. About, my, <laughs> about myself and my team. <laughs> All right. All right. Last topic of the day. We are going to get down to uh, – Bryce Harper finally off the market. There we go, Bryce. I knew you could do it, Bryce. The Bachelor has finally made his choice. There you uh, go. Paulie D, why don't you take the lead on this one? You know, 13 years, $335 million, it's a heavily- Stupid money indeed. It, it, uh, from, from, from Philadelphia held up its end of the bargain. Right, but it's a heavily backloaded contract and no opt-outs. And the backloaded is important here because I think one of the things we see with the, with the gaudy contracts is when they take too much- is when they when they when they form too much of the of the total payroll form form too yeah. big a percentage of the total payroll. Those teams don't win, right? I mean, those I mean, teams don't win at all. We see it. We saw it with Robinson Cano, right? Uh, Two hundred forty million over ten years with the Mariners. Now he's on the Mets, right? You uh, know, Zach Grinke, twenty sixteen Arizona is is getting paid thirty one million dollars on a team payroll and ninety eight million. It's thirty one percent of the team's payroll. Uh, and guess how many wins they had? Sixty-nine wins yeah. that year. You know, so so as these when these contracts when these large contracts become burdensome is when I think they inhibit the team from winning. But like I said, it's heavily backloaded. He's only getting paid ten million dollars this year. So yeah, you know, I mean, when you're when you're when you're making only that percentage of the Phillies' total payroll, he's probably only going to be making. You know what? Six percent of the total Phillies payroll. I think the Phillies payroll is going to be something around 160 million. Well, as our good friend Samuel Presti always says, the Philadelphia Phillies have more money than God because they have a very lucrative TV deal with Comcast. Fair enough, but the point is, even a, even on the most lucrative contract, to get value out of that, the players still got to put up enough wins to actually make it make sense. Like in two, sure. like in 2001, A-Rod mashed in 2001. That was an MVP season, he I think. Mashed 8.3 war. He mashed, but he was 25% of the team's payroll, and of course, so the team only has 73 wins. There's not there's not enough winning after a while when you're such a big part of a team's payroll that you can do to actually compensate it because nobody's getting 20 war in a season. Yeah. You know, it's impossible. Right. And, so, and the team needs to have the flexibility to put those people around you to make to help you be a winner, yeah. to help you excel and make sure there's ducks on the pond when you come to bat. I mean, and, and that's kind of where war comes in because I know you love war. As, I do. As you said in your recent blog post, which we'll plug later. I'm a big war fan. Yeah, I, I see the value in war. I think that too much stock is put in it. I like it as a tool. I like it well, as a tool to highlight things, to to point out. You can, you can, you. I think you can. I think you can use it as a tool to point out certain things that we suspect about baseball, but don't quite know. Well, the problem with war is that there's no way to measure the human element of the game, right? Because you're you're going to tell me that if you take let's let's say that Mike Trout, let's say that uh, he has a six war year, sure. with the Angels, that that's really good. Yeah. What if he's the worst guy in the clubhouse? Well, not well. That was does well, that does that does that come into the war? Is that where you're going with this? I'm going with like okay, he's got a six war with the Angels, but then they put him on a winning team, like let's say the the Yankees, the the Red Sox, the Astros. You think that 
playing on a winning team is not going to have him with a little extra bounce in his step and up the war. Sure. I mean, look, he'll he'll play harder. But I think what a war proponent would argue is that, well, it's going to have give him a little bounce in his step, so it's going to make him focus more at the plate, so it's going to give him better batting stats, going to make him focus more in the field. His, probably his defensive range is going to be better. He's probably going to get to more fly balls, track even more down. He's going to lay out on the dive. He's going to make crazy plays. My point is, and I think you're right with the human element, the one thing war doesn't take into account is the only human element, the intangible element. I'll call right. it I'll call it the Jason Hayward element. Yeah. You know, the the element that says that you, in the World Series that you can go to your team after during a break and what what was it in 2016, the 12th yeah. inning? Right. The 12th inning and say to them, "We have to win. We have to go out there and win for this club." War does not take that into account. It does not. And 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 in that way, and in those intangibles, can't really ever be measured. And for the record, and you're in the, that you're, way, I think you could fall. For, for the record, you're the first war proponent I've heard say that, which I really appreciate. Uh, but going back to Harper, I mean, one question I have: What, what do you think about no opt-outs, a full no-trade clause? He's in it. He's in it to win it. Uh, okay, look. I'll agree with you that the Phillies did good in adding him with backloading the deal, spending the stupid money. Right. This deal, by the same token, is still a big risk because of there's no opt-outs. There's a full no trade. Now, Phillies' X factor next season is the back end of their rotation. I would agree. These bats are these bats mean nothing without pitching. Right. Across the board, not just the Phillies. Right. After Aaron Nola and Jake Arrieta, the next three guys you have are big question marks. GM Matt Klintak, he is banking hard he is pushing his chips in all in on vince velasquez zach eflin and nick pavetta all taking steps forward right in 2019 now eflin and pavetta look good pavetta a lot of his problem last year was bad luck velasquez he's got a problem with walks and he's uh, had some injuries eflin i haven't seen enough of him but these guys the phillies are banking on the, this trio of young arms taking a step forward and making them an nle's contender They've boosted their infield defense already. I mean, adding Gene Segura and to, uh, to to play shortstop, that's an elite defender. Right, and Andrew McCutcheon in the outfield. Yeah, well, McCutcheon's not that good of a fielder anymore. But adding Segura— He's better, he's better, than, he's better than who they had. <laughs> oh, Reese Hoskins, yes, he was. <laughs> but you have Gene Segura in the infield. That's already going to make those three pitchers, their FIP and ex-FIP, are going to be wildly improved next year. Right. And then you have a great catcher in Real Muto who knows how to call a game, can develop young arms. Except here's the thing. What happens if three years from now the Philadelphia Phillies are making the playoffs? They're they're doing well, but they're kind of become the new Washington Nationals right. in that they cannot take that next step forward. Well, Bryce, at that point you have to at that point, because you gave Harper all this money, right. even with the TV money, you have to worry about restocking your pitching staff right. and paying everybody. You think Harper is gonna want to stick around a potential rebuild? After the Nats could never close that deal. No, he he he. They backloaded the contract because they told they must have told him this is the rebuild. It might be a couple years to work till we're contending, but we think we could contend for and win titles. No, the the, the Phillies right now, I think with Harper, they they are already in the uh, in the NL wild they, card conversation. They think they're in the wild card. There is no rebuild happening. They think they're in the wild card this year, but they it's got, rebuild insurance essentially. They've got to keep building. Is what is my is really my point. I mean, why else would you so severely backload this deal? Because you need flexibility in your front years when you have him on the payroll to make sure you're putting every piece you need to put around him to actually get a winner. You know, to I actually can, bring I a title to Philly. That. 
I can respect that. And right. So can I. I can respect somebody for pushing their chips all in the middle of the table. Yeah. Now, I'm saying this now, and I'm saying this hoping that I'm wrong. I really hope I'm wrong because despite me trash-talking the Phillies several times, I do want to see them do well as a franchise because there's so much history with them that it's good for baseball. Right. I think I, I, they are one of the archival baseball franchises. I really hope I'm wrong, but I feel that Harper got his money. That's all there is to it. And I'm worried that he left Washington to go win somewhere else because for some reason they couldn't close the deal despite having Scherzer, Strasburg, Anthony Rendon. I would not be shocked if he got impatient. And for argument's sake, let's say 2025, I wouldn't be shocked if he wore a different uniform then. I mean, I, nor would I. I mean, what, what kind of power move would that be if, three, let's say, three, four years in, he tells the Phillies, you know what, this isn't all, I, all it's cracked up to be. Uh, let me. I want to be a Dodger. I want to be a Dodger. I want to be. A, I want to be a Yankee. Right. Let's talk about the Yankees. Yankees here for a second. What kind of power move would it be if they pulled Giancarlo Stanton the sequel and got Bryce Harper for let's say Clint Frazier and a bucket of balls? Right. It's the and ul- a piece of toast. It's the ultimate power move, and it makes Philly a perennial little brother to New York. I mean, they are already kind of. Well, they're trying not to be, and that's what this move is about. Do you think that Bryce Harper gets along with Gabe Kapler? I'm not so sure about that. Gabe Kapler's a real rah-rah kind of guy, and I'm not sure Bryce Harper— He's a real rah-rah kind of guy. He's analytical to a fault. Right. I'm not sure Bryce Harper's here for that. We'll see. I mean, we're going to see how that power dynamics uh, goes out pretty soon. I don't anticipate them having that much of a problem because the fact that Harper got this deal with no opt-outs and a full no-trade— Yep. He's all in on Philly. I think he has to be. There's the there's like, no other explanation. Apparently, apparently he 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 insisted on that. He goes, no, I want to be with one team the rest of my career. Do you think? Do you think that he ended up just taking the money, or do you think there was something about Philadelphia that? May, do you think anybody offered him more money? Um, the word like, is that the Dodgers offered him a ridiculous Dodgers, average average annual. The value. Dodgers offered the highest AAV. They gave him a higher AAV than Machado, but only over four years. Right. And the only other team that was known to have made an offer, I can't remember the exact numbers off the top of my head, was um, with, the, with the Giants. Wow. Yeah. And they could have used them, too. All right, but that was uh, the final alarm, folks. And, uh, Paul E.D., it's about that time. Oh, man. I know, I know. It's closing time. We don't have to go home, but we can't stay here. Yeah, folks, that is all the time we have for today on the You May Be Right podcast. Special thanks to Elite Sports New York. Make sure to check out www.elitesportsny.com to get the latest in New York sports, including all the columns from the brain of yours truly, JB. Special thanks also to the QED in Astoria. Always a good time recording here in this little small room. With a, It's very homey in here, isn't it? I love it. It's I, cozy. I, I could sleep in this room. You got, you got a little nice feng shui with the lamp on the table. Uh, it's the even with the the scary mics looming over you while you slept on the floor. Right. Okay. <clears throat> you could hit me up on Twitter at uh, JB's World Three Two Eight Six. Uh, Paulie D, you want to give him your Twitter at Paulie D Sports. And uh, what about your blog? Uh, your your Red Sox blog that you just started. Another He's got some great things to say, folks. Definitely go check it out and read that. Feel free to send us your questions and comments on anything we've discussed on the pod or whatever else happens to come to mind. You can tweet at me, tweet at Paulie D. Catch this and other episodes of You May Be Right podcast on EliteSportsNewYork.com, iTunes, Google Play Music, or wherever you get your podcasts. Remember to search You May Be Right podcast for Paulie D. I'm JB, and you know what they say, Paulie D. What's that, JB? You may be wrong, but for all I know, you may be right. Thanks for listening, everyone.